0: welcome to the couch GM podcast. This is episode number two. We have a lot to cover this week as a lot went on in the Mariners organization. First off Julio won rookie of the year for the American league as everyone expected. Then we'll get into the manager of the year. We'll get into the Teoscar Hernandez trade and then we'll talk about if Andres Munoz is absolutely absolutely untouchable or if he might be available if the right trade came about. Starting with Julio winning the American league rookie of the Year. He beat out Adley Rutschman of the Orioles and Stephen Kwan of the Cleveland Guardians to take the American League Rookie of the Year award. Adley Rutschman took one first place vote. Uh, Julio had 29 out of the 30 first place votes. Now, something that I haven't been hearing too many people talk about or really any headlines showing is that with this win, Julio Rodriguez actually won the Seattle Mariners, an additional first-round draft pick for the 2023 MLB season. This was a part of the new collective bargaining agreement that came into place for the 2022 season. As one of the topics that the players had on the forefront of their negotiations was the service time manipulation that had been happening and how they can combat that with new rules that are put in place. So new before the 2022 season, here is the prospect promotion incentive That was added to the new collective bargaining agreement. So if a player who accrues a full year of service time in his rookie year, which in this case is 172 calendar days on the MLB roster, in 2022, a player had to be on the MLB roster by April 14th in order to reach this threshold. If that player garners award consideration in any season prior to qualifying for arbitration, then that player's club would receive prospect promotion incentive, compensation in the form of a draft pick. So if that player were to place first in rookie of the year, if they were to place top 3 in MVP voting, or if they were to place top 3 in Cy Young voting, then that player would win their team an additional draft pick after the first round. Now there was talks during the CBA negotiations on potentially implementing a international free agent draft, so there was other language in the new CBA talking about if someone were to place top 3 for rookie of the year that they could get their club Uh, an international draft pick instead of an amateur draft pick but since there was no international draft put in place the player has to win first place in rookie of the year in order to get any compensation for the team and so according to the new CBA language all PPI which is the prospect promotion incentives compensation will occur immediately following the end of the first round of the respective draft. Now, there's a few qualifications that a player needs to meet in order to be eligible for the team to acquire PPI compensation. First off, the player must enter the season with rookie eligibility and no more than 60 days of service time. The player must be considered a preseason top 100 prospect by at least two of Baseball America, ESPN, and MLB.com. I'm not a fan of this bullet point whatsoever. That means that if a player was called up early enough in the year in order to qualify for a full year of service time, thus qualifying them for this potential PPI compensation. If a couple of reporters from Baseball America, ESPN, and MLB.com don't rank that player as a top 100 prospect, then that team is out of luck with any compensation moving forward. And actually, with this year's Rookie of the Year awards, Michael Harris II, who won the NL Rookie of the Year, he was not ranked as a top 100 prospect by at least two of these sources. And so if he did accrue a full year of service time, then just because of the fact that a couple of reporters didn't rank him high enough, his team would not have benefited from an additional draft pick. This rule also goes on saying that a player cannot enter their rookie season as a foreign professional, so Shohei Otani, when he won Rookie of the Year back in 2018, he would not have qualified the Angels for any draft pick compensation because he came over as a foreign professional instead of through their farm system. And lastly, the player cannot be signed to a major league contract covering more than one playing season prior to making their major league debut. So players like Luis Robert, Evan White, and Eloy Jimenez, who signed contract extensions with their clubs before becoming rookies, they would also not qualify their team for this extra draft pick if they won rookie of the year. Now, award compensation directly for the players is that per the new CBA, any eligible player as defined by the PPI qualifications listed before that finishes in the top two in voting for Rookie of the Year will be credited with a full year of service time no matter how long they've played that year. So what does this mean for this year's Rookie of the Year results? Well, because Julio Rodriguez met the qualifications of being a PPI eligible rookie, His winning of Rookie of the Year will net the Mariners a draft pick immediately following the first round, and since the Dodgers and Mets are both expected to see their first round pick drop 10 spots after they exceeded the luxury tax by $40 million, the Mariners should be awarded the number 29 overall draft pick in the 2023 MLB draft on top of the first round pick that they will already have. Rodriguez already accrued a full year of service time this past season after making the opening day roster, so he has nothing to gain in, in terms of service time. Now, a lot of this information is coming from an article that Joe Doyle released, so if you haven't seen it, go check it out. A lot of good information in there. The Braves center fielder Michael Harris II, as I mentioned, he won Rookie of the Year for the National League, but was not featured on enough top 100 preseason prospect lists to qualify the Braves for an extra draft pick. He was also not on the big league roster for long enough to qualify for the compensation, and he signed an eight-year contract extension this season, so he wouldn't benefit from any of the service time as well. Then Spencer Strider, who placed second in the National League Rookie of the Year voting, he was on the Braves opening day roster and did accrue 172 days of service time in 2022, but he was also not featured on at least two of Baseball America ESPN and MLB.com preseason top 100 lists, so he also wouldn't have been able to benefit the Braves with the draft pick if he won first place. Also, like Michael Harris II, Strider signed a contract extension this year, so he wouldn't benefit from any of the service time as well. Now, the Orioles' Adley Rutschman, who placed second place in Rookie of the Year, he will not net Baltimore any compensation since he didn't win first place. He was also not on the roster long enough in order to qualify, but because he did play second place, he is going to benefit from that service time bump as he'll become a free agent after the 2027 season now instead of after the 2028 season. And then the Guardians, Stephen Kwan, who placed third place in the American League, he will not net the Guardians any compensation. And the Cardinals, Brendan Donovan, who got third place for the National League will also not net the Cardinals any compensation. And I really can't stress enough how big that additional first round or after the first round pick will be for the Mariners this next year. If we look back at their first round picks over the last few years, 2016 was Kyle Lewis, who was just traded. We'll get into that in a bit. 2017, Evan White. 2018, Logan Gilbert. 2019, George Kirby. 2020, Emerson Hancock. 2021, Harry Ford. 2022, Cole Young. So to be able to have an additional one of these draft picks in the first round is going to be very big. So we'll see who the Mariners pick with their 29th overall selection, as well as their other first round pick that they'll have. But again, Julio Rodriguez winning the Rookie of the Year and netting the Mariners a draft pick is massive. Also heading into next year, there are going to be a lot of rookies that will qualify. A few from the Orioles. Maybe we'll see Emerson Hancock up early enough to qualify for that. It's going to be a fun year to watch. Also sticking on the Julio train, he also placed 7th in American League MVP voting this year, which if you look back to his contract extension that he signed with the Mariners, that 2030 club option states that if he gets two top 10 votes in MVP voting from 2022 to 2028, that his club option extension would be an eight-year, $240 million contract, which is $30 million a year annually compared to $25 million annually if he were to place zero or one top 10 votes. So he's halfway to turning that extension into a $30 million annually contract. And then for manager of the year, Scott Service placed third in the AL manager of the year award. Terry Francona of the Cleveland Guardians placed first place, and then the Orioles' Brandon Hyde placed second place. There were some upset Mariner fans after these results came out, and I mean, I myself also thought that Scott should have taken first place. Last year, he got snubbed in the AL Manager of the Year as well, losing to Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays. Scott placed second place last year. And when you think back to the expectations for the Mariners, for the Guardians, and for the Orioles, I guess you could say that. For the Orioles and the Guardians, the expectations were a little lower heading into this year compared to the Mariners. The Mariners were close to making the playoffs last year, but came up just short. The Guardians finished the year with two wins above the Mariners, but you can say that the AL West is a stronger division than the AL Central. And there's real reason to believe with the results of this year that Scott Service should have won that manager of the year award over Terry Francona and especially Brandon Hyde. If you're not following John Morosi on Twitter yet, you probably should go do so. He's been dropping some Mariners rumors, and one of them was very close to an actual deal that was completed. On November 15th, John Morosi tweeted that the Mariners and Blue Jays were having trade discussions, and the specific deal that he was talking about on this day was Chris Flexen for Teoscar Hernandez. Well, on the 16th of November, the Teoscar Hernandez trade was finalized, and it ended up being Teoscar Hernandez heading to Seattle while reliever Eric Swanson and minor league pitching prospect Adam Mako were heading from the Mariners to Toronto. This is a massive pickup for the Mariners who really needed an extra power bat in their lineup. And this is a combo of power and average. Back in 2021, when Teoscar Hernandez was an all-star, he ended up finishing the season in 143 games played with a 296 batting average, 32 home runs, 116 RBIs and an OPS plus of 131, meaning his bat was about 31% above average. Last year, he finished 131 games with 25 home runs, 77 RBIs. Batting average was 267 and an OPS plus of 127, so about 27% better than league average. Now, when Justin Hollander and Jerry DePoto were asked about the Teoscar Hernandez trade, it sounds like there's no set spot that he's going to be playing yet, whether it's left field or right field. Depending on the additional moves that the Mariners make the remainder of the offseason, that will more so determine where he plays. And they also mentioned that he'll get some DH time as well. Teoscar Hernandez has a 519 slugging percentage from 2020 to 2022, which is tied with one Soto for the 13th highest among players with over a thousand plate appearances. And as Mariners fans, if you think back to the Toronto playoff series, Teoscar Hernandez took Robbie Ray deep twice in the same game, so it'll be nice to have him over on this side of the white lines moving forward. Teoscar Hernandez is set to become a free agent after the 2023 season, and on the Mike Salk show, Jerry Depoto did not close the door to the possibility that Teoscar might be with the club even after 2023, so we'll see if they come to an agreement on a contract extension, whether it's before the season starts or during the season. Teoscar is heading in to play his age 30 season, so he's right in the prime of his career. It might be a good time to sign him to a four or five year extension. And it's important that this trade was done early in the offseason, as it really sets the stage for the rest of the Mariners offseason and the positioning that they'll be able to have moving forward, both with free agents and then also with other teams in the trade market. As we saw, Kyle Lewis, outfielder, was traded, probably for different reasons. He's more of a DH now. But we have Jesse Winker that might be on the trade block as well. And we might see some more movement in the outfield before the offseason is over. Now heading to the Toronto Blue Jays was Eric Swanson, who had a great year for the Mariners this last year. Swanson was quite the lefty specialist for the Mariners this year as versus lefties, he had a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 14.33, a batting average against of 200. And compare that to his splits against righties this last year, where he had a strikeout-to-walk ratio of just 3.86 compared to that 14.33 versus lefties. Both of those numbers coming in about the same amount of plate appearances. He had about 10 plate appearances less versus righties. Eric Swanton is 29 years old, and he has three more years of club control. And then the other piece heading to Toronto is left-handed pitching prospect Adam Mako. He was the Mariners' eighth overall prospect at the time of the trade. He has not pitched above A-ball yet, and he is turning 22 in December. Apparently, Justin Hollander stated that the Blue Jays had asked the M's about Adam Mako about 10 times over the past few years since he was drafted. Mako is from Canada, so the Blue Jays are excited to have one of their own headed back to their team. Now, it's painful giving up Eric Swanson, who was such a great piece for the Mariners' bullpen this last year, but when you're adding someone to the lineup like Teoscar Hernandez, who's going to have an everyday impact on your lineup, at the end of the day, this is a really big benefit as you took from one of your areas of strength in your pitching and your bullpen and you turned it into something that can get you an extra few wins throughout the season. Now, Alex Mayer tweeted back on November 16th Teoscar Hernandez, Julio Rodriguez, and Mike Trout are the only players to rank in the 95th percentile in hard hit percentage and the 80th percentile in sprint speed in 2022. Justin Hollander, the GM for the Seattle Mariners, stated on the Mike Salk Show that they were actually close to acquiring Teoscar before last spring training, and here's some audio of why they got him. Because he hits the ball very, very, very hard. Um, We've had interest in Teo for a long time. We actually got pretty close to a deal last spring training with the Blue Jays. We've been having sort of an ongoing dialogue with them for a while. He just fits. He fits our lineup. Uh, We really did want to lengthen the lineup and expand the impact that we had up and down the lineup, uh, he fits well on the field and every bit of research we've done says he'll fit well culturally in our clubhouse. Supposed to be a great teammate, great human being. Uh, I think he'll fit well with our group. And if you look at his baseball savant page for 2022, his average exit velocity was the 96th percentile max exit velocity was the 94th hard hit percentage was the 98th percentile expected slugging 95th percentile. Sprint speed was the 84th percentile, arm strength, 86th percentile, barrel percentage was the 94th percentile. He does strike out a decent amount, but with that combination of speed and power, that's a dangerous add to your lineup. And then, regarding Mitch Hanniger, Justin Hollander stated that he has a healthy free agent market out there. The team is still in discussions with him, but we'll see how things progress with Mitch throughout this offseason. Hollander also stated that the trade market is very active. The free agent market is a bit slower, but that can change at any moment. Likely once one of those big name shortstops signs with the team, things will start to speed up as we move along. Now someone who I follow on Twitter and someone who follows the Mariners very closely said that DePoto said that the club gets a ton of hits on Munoz and Brash and then quote unquote, and we didn't want to trade Eric Swanson. I then replied saying that there's no shot Munoz is moved. He should be untouchable in my opinion. He responded saying never no shot. He's a reliever. Edwin Diaz was traded after three after three and a half win season, 57 save season. I then responded saying, well, that was at the start of the Mariners rebuild. We're in a completely different situation now compared to back then. And in my opinion, there's very few untouchables or players that you would trade. Someone offers you that you just can't say no to. One of those, of course, being Julio Rodriguez. And in my opinion, I think Andres Munoz, there's no chance that we trade him and he should not be on the table whatsoever. When you're talking about the best high leverage relief pitchers in all of baseball, Andres Munoz, in my opinion, is top three, top five worst case scenario. And Edwin Diaz just signed a contract extension with the Mets, which is five years, $102 million. You look at Andres Munoz's contract, he signed a contract extension after the 2021 season ended. He's currently locked down for the next three years, totaling $6 million over those three years. And then he has three club options available the first year at $6 million, second year at $8 million, third year at $10 million. So right now with how it stands, you have one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball locked down through a contract through their age 29 season, which is most likely the prime of his career. And those six years would cost you $30 million if they picked up all of the club options. So that's averaging $5 million a year, whereas now Edwin Diaz is getting paid over $20 million a year. So with how incredibly team-friendly this deal is and how good Munoz has shown that he is, I think it would be borderline irresponsible to even bring up his name in a trade talk. And for example, if we're talking about trading Munoz for straight up for, let's call it a shortstop instead of signing one of those big name free agents, let's take a look at the top shortstops and who might be available. When looking at shortstops that are currently under contract by a team, there's players like Fernando Tatis, there's Bo Bichette, Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story, Tim Anderson... Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Wander Franco, and Jorge Polanco round out the top 10. Fernando Tatis is locked down to a 14-year contract. You're not going to trade Munoz for him. Bo Bichette is one of the only realistic options here, I think. And and the Blue Jays would have to be reckless to do this. But if they were to offer Bo Bichette straight up for Andres Munoz, then that's something that you would consider. Bo Bichette has three years left on his contract, and he played in 159 games the past two years. Then some other names I mentioned, Marcus Simeon, he just signed that big extension with the Rangers. That's a no. Trevor Story just signed with the Red Sox for an additional like six years. That's not happening. Tim Anderson has one more year until he's a free agent. That's not enough. Francisco Lindor just signed that big extension with the Mets. That's not happening. Corey Seager with the Rangers, big extension. That's that's not happening. And then there's Jorge Polanco, who I'm interested in trading for just in general, but he has one more year left on his contract, plus one club option. He was not healthy last year, so so Munoz straight up for Polanco is not a trade that you'd really want to get involved with. So please do not even consider trading Andres Munoz, and I hope that Scott Service uses him in the traditional closer role this next year to really lock down games for the Mariners. And speaking of the big name shortstops, reporter Jim Bowden tweeted that the Mariners have checked in on Trey Turner, Colton Wong, Gleyber Torres, and all the other free agent middle infielders. He said Jerry Depoto, president, made it clear that their ownership will provide the resources to sign one of the big free agent middle infielders, if it makes sense. That's very reassuring to hear, and we'll see if John Stanton pulls out that checkbook. John Morosi also reported that the Mariners have checked in on Colton Wong and Glaber Torres with the Brewers and the Yankees. I would be open to both of these trades, to be honest, but that shouldn't exclude you from going out and getting one of those top free agent shortstops as well. Colton Wong and Gleber Torres might both benefit from that banning of the shift heading into next year. Don't look at Colton Wong's savant page. It's all blue, but looking at Gleber Torres, he hits the ball hard and I'm definitely more of a fan of Glaber Torres than Colton Wong. One other name that's being discussed is, hey, maybe is Cody Bollinger an option? Also reported on the other day, Mariners traded outfielder and DH Kyle Lewis to the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for Cooper Hummel, Hummel is a catcher slash outfielder utility man who is 27 years old. He just played his first games in the major leagues last year. He didn't do too hot in his first appearance in the major leagues over 66 games. He had a 176 batting average with an OPS plus of 66. But when you go look at his minor league stats from 2021 and 2022, things are a bit more reassuring. He had a batting average, a decent amount over 300. He had an on-base percentage well above 400 and OPS is in the range of 900 to 1,000. Now this move is most likely just for depth and also just to give Kyle Lewis a change in scenery. Lewis has been through a lot since he came up to the majors for the Mariners. He's had three knee surgeries over the past few years. He had that concussion last year and other injuries. And with his decline in mobility, he's likely only going to be at DH moving forward. And also there just really isn't much room for him on the Mariners roster at this point. So we'll see if he can get some everyday reps for Arizona moving forward. Upcoming after Thanksgiving, the winter meetings will be taking place December 5th through the 8th. December 7th will be the Rule 5 draft. I'll be making a video talking about the Rule 5 draft and what that is in the next week or two. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure to go follow me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter for more updates. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving and go Ems.